Blog Talk Radio. Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday evening. It is February the 25th, 2022. And boy, oh boy, the world is certainly a changed place from where we were last week when I had the privilege of speaking with you. I thank you for joining me. Russia has done what everyone, or almost everyone, thought was the unthinkable, launch a full-blown military attack against Ukraine. Hard to believe, but he's done it. He's pulled the trigger, literally, and the civilian death count is mounting. Uh, Gosh, uh, you know, sometimes I think it's easy to be naive and be foolish and think or hope, and as somebody once wisely said, hope is not a strategy, and hope that, you know, cooler heads will prevail. There's a lot of background about how we got here. Perhaps uh, Putin was concerned about NATO, and we could look back and think about what we could have done, should have done, would have done differently. But at the end of the day, to have Putin launch a massive attack from land, sea, and air against uh, a very large European country, um, changing the dynamics of world politics. Uh, This is almost... Uh, Going back to where we were when Germany marched on Poland, Uh, will Putin be satisfied with the Ukraine? Nobody knows. He said he wasn't going to attack, that he was going to attack. I don't know what the world looks like to him. You know, as a law enforcement officer, I, I came to the conclusion early on in my career that normal doesn't exist. I've executed enough search warrants. Uh, conducted enough in-depth investigations to know that everybody's a little bit nutty. Um, It's only a matter of in what direction and to what extent. Uh, I used to have a partner who would look at the situation and say, you know, I don't know what the color of the the sky is in this guy's world, whoever this guy was, the person we were investigating. And he would say, I don't know what the color of the sky is in this guy's world, but sure as hell it's not blue. I don't know what the color of the sky is in uh, Vladimir Putin's world either, but we do know where we are today. A major nuclear power threatening the United States and the free world if we intervene as he tramples on Ukraine. And he's formed an unholy alliance with China. And China is determined to dominate the world. And let's add to that toxic mix Iran currently in a race to develop nuclear weapons for all their protestations that this is all about peaceful nuclear power. Iran is the largest state sponsor of terrorism. It leaves us and the rest of the world in a very precarious position. And we can't forget it. And if you look at the media and you look at the things Joe Biden's been saying, and I'm no fan of Joe Biden, and I'm not about to apologize for anything he has said, So when he came out a day or two ago and said, well, let's see where we are 30 days from now. Let's see where we are in a month. In a month. My gosh. Um, Where are we going to be in 30 minutes with Russia doing what it's doing? 
You know, there's an expression used in support of the Second Amendment that when, pardon me, that when seconds count, police are minutes away. For Joe Biden, when seconds count, if there's help, it's days, weeks, months away. That's insanity. But some people have said, well, you know, Joe Biden has been criticizing Putin, but he hasn't been strong enough, and other people weren't strong enough. I just saw a a poll that said that Trump wasn't strong enough on Putin. And here's the problem. Let's go back to George W. Bush. George W. Bush, if you folks remember, shortly after he took office and met in person with Putin for the first time, did a news conference and said, that he looked Putin in the eye and knew the man's soul and knew he was someone he could trust. Sounded like they were out on a romantic interlude. He looked into his eyes and saw his soul. Wow. First and foremost, and this is something I want everyone to focus on, Putin is former KGB. What does that mean? Well, once KGB, always KGB. And KGB, unlike the U.S. intelligence services, is brutal. Do not forget how many times Putin either killed or attempted to kill Russians who had defected to the West by poisoning them, by doing other violent acts to eliminate his competition, imprisoning um, those who would run against him politically. He does not believe in democracy. He does not believe in freedom. The way that dictatorship and communism and totalitarianism sends chills down my spine, freedom and democracy apparently send chills down his spine. So his worldview is 180 degrees opposite of what most Americans' worldview is. And that's something that takes understanding. So when our politicians who, you know, if you're a hammer, everything is a nail, They think, oh, I'm a politician, he's a politician, I can relate to this guy. Probably not. Because you understand elections, and you understand, at least until recently, freedom of speech, which is why it's so chilling to listen to the Democrats. By the way, as an aside to this, I wonder how many yo-yos out there that were just so glib about don't question anything and It's okay that we don't have free speech. They did studies, surveys a couple of years ago at some of our best universities where the kids actually said that, you know, freedom of speech isn't a big deal. Shocking. We made fun of and still do when people like Jay Leno did his segment Jaywalking where they would go to a college campus or they'd go out on the street and ask people fundamental questions. You know, who was the United States fighting in the Second World War? And you had kids in graduate school at some of our best universities questioning, with a questioning answer, say, uh, were we fighting England in the Second World War? Clueless. History repeats itself unless you learn the lessons from history. And apparently the kids that are getting supposed education really aren't getting much of an education because they're clueless as to how uh, the Second World War played out, what was involved, uh, and, and, and the sacrifices made by our soldiers and the soldiers of the Allies. I find it remarkable that you have kids on college campuses that are big advocates for Antifa, the anti-fascists. Really? You know who the anti-fascists were? The soldiers from the United States and the Allied countries who laid down their lives 
or came home badly injured defeating the Nazi dirtbags. They were the fascists, and it was our guys who defeated them. Our soldiers were the true anti-fascists. And now, here, Putin say that he's in the Ukraine to denazify the Ukraine? Takes my breath away. Takes my breath away. So, for those kids out there who are so self-absorbed that they need comfort puppies if someone says something that they don't like, or if they have a, a trigger or a microaggression, all this wimpy nonsense you look at what's happening in russia in the ukraine rather with russia and you need to realize what freedom is really about think of those 13 incredibly valiant ukrainian soldiers who went were confronted by a warship from russia and the commander of the warship said to them they apparently had a communication device said surrender so you don't die they suggested that the Russians attempt an anatomical possibility and go screw themselves, and they were blown up. They're dead. But they stood up defiantly to the tyranny of those Russian sailors. It's amazing to, to watch what's happening in the Ukraine and think about what we have done to this generation of Americans. I don't know what encourages Putin more, frankly. The senility, stupidity, and cowardice of Biden and the Democrats? Or what they see when they look at all too many American kids who represent the next generation of American leaders? There are things worth fighting for. As a kid, I learned that if you run from the schoolyard bully, he's just going to chase after you and beat the snot out of you. Then they had done that until my dad insisted that I go to a gym, work out, learn how to box, learn how to defend myself. As my dad said to me, you can run, but you can't hide. Sooner or later, you're going to have to stand your ground and go toe-to-toe with those bums. And he said, hurt them. They're going to hurt you no matter what, so it's time for you to hurt them so they learn the lesson that this isn't the game they want to play. And it worked. So we hear this nonsense of we're going to protect you from the schoolyard bullies. I've always been beyond skeptical because what happens if the schoolyard bullies are the ones that you're supposed to go to for protection bullies like putin sociopaths who have no respect for human life including the lives of children that's what we're dealing with according to one reported orphanage was bombed maybe it was a mistake maybe the weapon went astray who knows but the civilian population is taking hits buildings are being destroyed people are dying all because Putin has an ego problem. I really believe that Putin thinks he is Russia. I think that he wants to recreate the old Soviet Union, maybe even the old Russian Empire. And anybody who acts against Russia to him is a personal attack. He believes he is the embodiment, I think, of all of Russia. And somebody has that level of a delusion of grandeur is dangerous. And Putin is threatened to attack us. You get to fear, we will attack you. And I've warned that China's going to pull the same crap with Taiwan. Um, Let me tell you a brief anecdote, and then I want to talk about this article that I wrote for U.S. Incorporated, usinc.org. I have two articles out this week. I will have another article out, by the way, next week at Front Page Magazine, either Monday or Tuesday, where I'm going to, and I wrote the article just before the disaster in the Ukraine, 
and my article focused on critical race theory and how instead of critical race theory, our kids need to get critical thinking skills and critical empathy theory. So that's coming up next week. I'm not going to talk about it this week. We certainly have enough on our plate. But I'm doing everything in my power to put out articles that provide you with the facts that you need to persuade your neighbors and your friends and your family members and your colleagues. Americans need to sit down and celebrate the First Amendment, the same First Amendment that Russia and China and North Korea and Iran would kill you for exercising. We as Americans must defiantly amendment what do i mean by defiantly don't be intimidated people say well if you speak out against open borders aren't they going to accuse you of being a bigot i said well i know who i am i'm certainly not a bigot but who cares what they accuse me of they can go to hell i'm going to tell you what i think if you like it that's wonderful if you don't like it keep walking and we all need to take that attitude i don't care who i offend if i offend somebody wonderful because probably he or she is someone who needed to be offended, and I'm happy to deliver whatever it is that offends them. I hope they have macroaggressions, not microaggressions. If you don't practice the First Amendment, ladies and gentlemen, you will lose it. It will become a vestigial organ. People will forget what it sounds like. The ability to speak your mind. That's what this country was built upon. That is the foundation of America and freedom. Freedom of expression. That's why it's the First Amendment. If I piss people off, too damn bad. You don't like it? Eh. It upsets you? More the better. You want to go in the corner and cry? I won't even give you a crying towel. Wet your face. I don't care. We have the right to speak our mind. This isn't hate speech. Hate speech involves racism. Hate speech means we treat people differently and we call for violence and that's inappropriate. That is hate speech. But simply articulating an idea, hate speech is a way of shutting you up. My father also said to me that I would teach people how they should treat me by, what, by demonstrating what I'm willing to accept. When we acquiesce and bow down to those people who try to censor us, we're losing the battle. We need to look them in the eye and say, screw you. I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to say what I want to say. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Because if we don't stake out that position today, that freedom of speech will evaporate. I promise you, it's it's on the endangered species list right now. And the reason the other side doesn't want you to question them is because that way they could push you and everybody else around and force you to do things that make no sense. I wrote an article a while back about the science Nazis, about how um, Albert Einstein was run out of Germany. Everyone knows that he had to leave Germany because he was a Jew, and in Germany during the Third Reich, during the Nazi regime, that wasn't a healthy situation. But he actually was threatened. They threatened his life by bringing in two physicists who had gotten the Nobel Prize, who fired up the audiences on college campuses, not unlike Antifa or Black Lives Matter, and they threatened to kill him, and they threatened his colleagues, and they said that his science was Jewish science, and as a Jew, what he had to say was worthless, so he needed to shut up and sit down. Wow. And what theories did these two Nobel-winning scientists go after? Einstein's theories on relativity, and if you've been following the literature, 
scientists and engineers just developed the most incredibly accurate clock that's accurate to within a second over billions of years. Now, that's accurate. And once again, they confirmed his theories of relativity. But the Third Reich lied and said, oh, no, 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 this is Jewish science. He's a Jew, so this is bogus. Don't listen to him. He's poisoning your mind. We need to run him out of town. Wow. By the way, there was an interesting article. You know, they add ethanol to gasoline in the wintertime, supposedly to improve the environment. Turns out it makes things worse. Follow the science. What science? Who got paid off to peddle corn oil or, or whatever it is they're, they're using to create the ethanol that they're putting in gas? This is a monetary decision. Are we being vaccinated because of a monetary decision? I'm still not sure. And we're buying masks from China after they created the disease. And you may not know this, but China actually marketed a board game or a couple of board games about COVID just weeks after the epidemic struck and we were shut down. This was a year ago, a year and a half ago. It was astonishing. I saw the ads online for board games making fun of COVID made in China. Talk about adding insult to injury. Our leaders need to understand the tyrants that we face, and it's naive when we don't understand the true nature and the depravity of our adversaries. When I was a new immigration inspector at Kennedy Airport, this is back in the early 70s, almost 50 years ago, we had diplomats as well as average travelers come through our booths, people that were headed to the U.N., people heading to embassies. We had foreign students. All, all kinds of people from all over the world for all different reasons. <clears throat> and that was my first job with the old Immigration and Naturalization Service. And this incident so shook me up that roughly 50 years later, I remember it as though it happened yesterday. Sometimes something is just so crystal clear you never forget it. So I'll, I'll relate the story to you because it tells you what the KGB is about. And that's who Putin is. He's not only Russia, but he's KGB. Sitting in my booth, Aeroflot, the Russian airliner, came in, and a bunch of their diplomats and a bunch of their citizens filed off the airplane, and in walks a Russian diplomat with an A-1 visa. That's the highest classification of diplomatic visa. He may have been the consul general in New York or elsewhere. That part of it escapes my memory. <clears throat> but I still remember what he looked like. He was the big, heavy-set guy with a big belly, built kind of like Nikita Khrushchev. If you look up Khrushchev, who was a peasant farmer from peasant stock, uh, he had that look, and this guy had that look. And he came into my booth. He had that A-1 visa. I did what I had to do. I stamped his passport. I admitted him into the United States. And, you know, whatever I might have thought of Russia, you know, you have to be civil, courteous. And I said, um, welcome to the United States. He stuck out his hand. I shook hands with him. I said, have a great trip. He thanked me. And he went on his way. About five minutes later, my supervisor came up to me, patted me on the shoulder. He said, Mike, go to lunch. Now, the way it was set up in those days, the arriving travelers would go through the immigration booths. We would decide whether or not to admit them, and then they would go on to customs to pick up their luggage and go through the customs inspection. There was two separate agencies. There was no CBP back then. It was customs, and it was immigration. Immigration was under the Justice Department. Customs was under Treasury. So as I'm walking through Customs Hall where everyone's getting their suitcases and the inspectors are opening up suitcases and questioning the people and perhaps they had to pay a duty on whatever they were bringing in, the same Russian diplomat spots me and walks over to me. 
and he asks me in his heavy Russian accent, he says, are your family from Russia? Because you look like a Russian man. I said, well, my, my grandfather came from Russia, yes. And he says, and he didn't stay? I said, no, and I jokingly said, you know, he had the good sense to come to America. And he kind of smiled, and then he said something to me. He said, you know, I hope the idiots that run your country. And I thought, uh-oh, here we go. But then he said, I hope the madmen who run my country calm things down and make peace so that you and my grandson, and he says, and by the way, you look just like my grandson. It's unbelievable. He said, if I had the picture with me, you would think it was a picture of you, which I thought was interesting. He said, so I hope that you and my wonderful grandson get to live to be as old as I am. And this guy was in his 70s at that point, 70, 70-ish, whatever. And I thanked him. I said, that's a good wish. I hope for world peace also. We shook hands. He gave me a little hug, and he went on his way. And immediately the FBI surveillance team, because they would come out whenever a flight came in from the old Soviet Union, the leader of the surveillance team ran up to me with a notebook, and he said, what did he say to you? So I recounted as close as I could, word for word, what the guy told me. I said, you seem very concerned. He said, I am. He said, the fact that he's concerned about the longevity of you and his grandson, he wants world peace and flowers and sunshine, and he said, this guy's probably physically ill. It's worth for us to, 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 to check into that. I said, what do you mean? Why do you think he's sick? He said, that man was a high-ranking member of the KGB. I said, so he knows where the bodies are buried. He said, no, he buried them. It was almost like a line out of a Clancy movie. I said, you're kidding. He said, no, that man that just gave you that little hug is responsible for thousands of dead bodies. It took my breath away. I said, really? He said, you would have to see this guy's file that would keep you awake at night. That's who KGB is, folks. So when Putin says, if you dare interfere, take him at his word. Take him at his word. And all that we're hearing is cyber attacks. Should we be worried? Absolutely we should be worried. I don't know why we haven't done more to defend against cyber attacks, why we haven't done more to protect against electromagnetic pulse. You know, a nuclear weapon uh, exploded in the, in the atmosphere could uh, cause our electronic devices to, to short circuit. It could bring down the power grid. By the way, so could a massive solar flare, something known as a, as a coronal mass ejection. There was something called the Carrington event. Uh, I believe it was in the 1800s where a massive solar mass ejection caused all of the telegraphs to go down. In fact, they, the telegraph wires set fire to the poles they were mounted on because that was pretty much the only thing that was electrified back then. And the electricity that was generated by that discharge from the sun caused the wiring to overload. If that happened today, again, we could have a blackout that could last for months. Imagine no electricity for months, how many millions of people would die. No refrigeration, no cars, nothing moves, the water pumps stop. <clears throat> this could be catastrophic. Are we prepared? No. Do we know about the danger? Yes. And what have we done about it? Bupkis. That's what America has become of late, the country of Bupkis. I'm old enough to remember Kennedy saying we're going to the moon, and everyone said, wow, that's unbelievable. But, hell, we're Americans. We could do anything. Now it seems as though we're Americans and we can't do anything. It's a dangerous situation to be in, and it's emboldened our enemies. 
and the way that we left Afghanistan, which was truly a route, not an orderly departure. I mean, imagine our enemies gloating and looking at, at the incompetent Biden, withdrawing the soldiers first, leaving behind tens of billions of dollars of high-quality military gear and stranding so many people and admitting others who we never should have admitted, including some that we now believe are terrorists who've gone missing in America. What could possibly go wrong? So, so that's where we are. But is the only threat to America cyber warfare? Of course not. And when we talk about terrorism, Garland, the attorney general, immediately starts talking about white supremacists, white radicals, the war on Americans by the American government. One of my great concerns are sleeper agents, and I've spoken about it frequently on this program and in my writings and even when I've testified before congressional hearings. A sleeper agent, for those of you not familiar with the concept, is a foreign national who by one means or another gains entry into the United States, <clears throat> maintains a super low profile until the day that he or she is called upon to carry out an act of violence in the United States. And then look out. We have a non-existent southern border, but it's a lot more than just the southern border. All we keep hearing is the southern border, the southern border. We're a nation of 50 border states. <clears throat> we don't know who's coming across the Canadian border. We don't know who's arriving on ships, and not just at ports of entry, but by coming ashore at marinas. I mean, imagine a fishing vessel goes out to sea with five fishermen on board. And at 3 o'clock in the morning, that boat pulls into the marina, with 35 people on board. Who's there to notice it? Because that boat may well have met another ship past the national uh, boundary and loaded up with a bunch of people and brought them here. If you read the article that was just published at um, U.S. Incorporated, uh, I, I think you'll be uh, amazed because what the article addresses um, is the threat that Putin made. And what I talked about was how, in the beginning of the Second World War, 1942, eight Nazis attempted entering the United States by submarine. They came close to the coast out on Long Island in New York and in Florida, and they were caught. And their mission was to come to the United States surreptitiously and blow up various facilities so that it would handicap our ability to send war materials to Great Britain. In fact, in New York, the goal was to blow up the facility under in the basement or the sub-basement of a Grand Central Terminal. <clears throat> because in the basement were inverters that would take AC power, which is what we have in our electricity, and turn it to DC power to run the trains. The theory was that if you could cut off D.C. power, the trains would stop, and then the trains couldn't deliver supplies to the ports where they were loaded on ships, and the ships then went to England where they were discharged, uh, where the cargo was discharged to, to England's uh, waiting hands. And that was when you had the submarine wolf packs blowing up these ships that were going between the United States and Europe with materials. It was a turkey shoot. How many ships were blown up? by the Nazi submarines, the U-boats. So I, I said, look at what happened then, people coming on ships, on submarines, to do sabotage. Who's to say that Russia hasn't pre-positioned saboteurs and spies in our country 
for the day that he calls them into action. Who's to say that Iran, for example, might not use their terrorists at the behest of Russia because they're allies? Imagine Putin calling up the leadership in Iran and saying we need this building or that building blown up to show the Americans a lesson. Who's to say that that's not on the menu? And what are we doing? We've taken down our borders. We have no immigration law enforcement. Gangs, criminals, terrorists, fugitives, and record quantities of deadly narcotics flowing into the United States as easily as the ocean flows to the beach during high tide. And for these aliens and for those deadly drugs, it's always high tide. And who's to say that not only drugs but weapons could be smuggled into the United States across one of our borders or through international airports and cargo if it's missed? Most of the terrorists who have attacked our country came through international airports. And that's why I make the point that we are, in point of fact, a nation of 50 border states. And so if you read the article that I wrote, and, and again, the title of the article that, I, that was just published today, Putin Threatens Retribution if America Intervenes in the Ukraine. And I think you'll find it enlightening. I, I usually write articles of about 1,000 words. This is considerably longer, but it's chock full of information that you need to have, but maybe even more importantly, that your friends need to have. I would like you to share this with people. Don't get confrontational. Don't get preachy. Just say, look, there's this guy. His name is Mike Cutler. He's testified before a bunch of congressional hearings, and not only invited by the Republicans, but I've also been invited by Democrats, people like Sheila Jackson Lee. So this isn't a left-right issue. We've, we've gotten so terrible on this, left-right. Which side are you on? You want to know what side I'm on, ladies and gentlemen? I'm on America's side. Trey Gowdy, interestingly enough, uh, this past week, I believe it was, I've met Trey going back to when he was uh, the chairman of the Immigration Subcommittee in the House. In fact, one day, because a a woman he was familiar with who had run against him for Congress insisted, they're friends, you've got to call Mike Cutler. He called me up one evening, and I was startled. When I asked, who is this? And he said, Congressman Trey Gowdy. It kind of startled me. But Gowdy recently talked about the Supreme Court and how Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, was approved with barely any, if any, opposition. The same thing with uh, Scalia. The Democrats approved Scalia and and the Republicans approved Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And he said there was the sense of what's in the best interest of America, even if we don't agree necessarily ideologically, who's the best possible person? We put America first. We're not putting America first. When Donald Trump said, let's put America first, everybody freaked out. And I thought, how twisted, how far have we fallen that the president of the United States says, let's put Americans first and people have a meltdown. Who do you want to put first, Putin? I mean, goodness gracious, put America first shouldn't be controversial. It should be business as usual. What has happened to us as a country, as a people? How did we, the people, allow this to happen to us? Because we allowed this. This couldn't happen without, our complicit, without complicity from the American people, ignoring the seriousness of the situation, allowing the politicians to get away with a whole bunch of crap and not holding them accountable. 
I mean, think about it. One of the arguments for giving driver's licenses to illegal aliens, if you follow the argument, is, well, they're going to drive anyway. How could they get to work if they don't have a car? So we have to give them licenses so they'll drive more safely. How many people have heard that statement? Have you heard that? How could they possibly get to work without a driver's license? Let's give them the licenses so they can get to their jobs. The immigration laws are supposed to prevent people working illegally from working illegally. It's to protect jobs and wages of Americans. And the politicians from both parties can stand in front of the cameras and in front of the American people and say, I think we should give them licenses so they can go to work safely. Why are the American people sitting there with their hands in their laps or sitting on their hands? That's when you stand up and say, what the hell are you talking about? They shouldn't be here. They shouldn't be taking those jobs. And they shouldn't be taking the money they earn from those jobs and send it out of our economy. You want an economic stimulus package? Hire Americans. Hire lawful immigrants. Hire those aliens who, under the law, are entitled to work so that we don't have people coming here illegally, working illegally, and sending money out of the country, displacing American and lawful workers, and also causing an erosion in wages, wage suppression, because labor is like any other commodity. It's supply and demand. You flood the labor pool with workers, the value of labor goes through the floorboards. And both parties will stand there, and no one says a word. We need to give them licenses. How else could they get to work? They shouldn't be here, and they sure as hell shouldn't be working. This is where we are. Is this really a government of the people, by the people, and for the people? So we flooded America with millions of people. We have no idea who the hell they are. The Border Patrol has become concierge service under the Biden administration, this crooked, corrupt, inept, and incompetent administration. And they have moved them all over the country. And among them are criminals and terrorists and God knows who else. And this is supposed to be in the best interest of America. And that's why they don't want you to stand up and say, wait a minute, what are you doing? Shut up, that's hate speech. There was a guy on Fox News the other day, I believe he's a veteran, running for office. And he posted, I believe he said, it was either Twitter or Facebook, I don't use either, they can all go to hell. They can go someplace warm where you don't need a sweater, right? But he simply said in a posting, take care of wounded veterans before you take care of illegal immigrants. You know they suspended his account for 24 hours and accused him of hate speech. Think about it. We should be taking care of veterans before we take care of illegal immigrants with branded hate speech, and they shut them down for 24 hours. And then when he called them up, they said, oh, that was a mistake. Baloney. Government of the people. How did we allow this to happen? There's 535 members of the House and Senate, and there's 330 million Americans, and we allow this to happen. Why in the world do you have lawmakers eager to ignore the laws that are on the books that got there by prior lawmakers. The law that says you don't hire foreign workers as long as there are Americans ready, willing, and able to do the job in the geographic area where the job is needed to be done. In the law. That's what they want to remove. We need to modernize the immigration laws. Yes, you know how they want to modernize them? Take out that paragraph that says you can't hire illegal, you can't hire foreign workers when Americans are ready, willing, and able to do the job. They call that modernization. You know, it's like when you go to the store and there's a box of of, of cereal and it says new and improved. And you know what's new about it? It's a smaller box 
but they charge you more for it, and maybe they put a different cartoon character on the cover, new and improved. A bigger screwing, new and improved. Every time you hear new and improved, run for your life. Every time an academic says, in theory, run for your life. In theory. Wow, they're so detached from reality. But we need to cement them back to reality. When a politician says that illegal aliens should have licenses so they can get to work safely, that politician needs to be voted out of office. And I don't care what party that guy is with or that gal is with. I don't care if they're with the Hopping Kangaroo Party because they just told you they want Americans fired. They just told you they want wages of Americans to go through the floorboards and they want to kill the middle class. That's what they're telling you. Read between the lines, ladies and gentlemen. So all we're hearing now is that the threat of terrorism comes from white supremacists or cyber warfare. How about the possibility that terrorists would gain entry to the United States to kill us? That saboteurs from Russia might want to come here if Putin and his imaginary kingdom decides that we've acted against him and now he wants to get even the way he's threatened, the way that you've never seen in the past. What does that exactly mean? We have no idea who's here. We have no mechanism in place to track down the people who are here and no desire. And where are the Republicans? They're all in because they've been bought and paid for by the Chamber of Commerce, just like everybody else. There's a couple of members of Congress that have the the moral fiber and and, and the right attitude to stand up to this. So you vote for candidates, not for parties, because both parties have become the, 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 the globalists' best friends. That's how they get the money, the billions of dollars of campaign contributions. So when you have a politician who stands up and says, this has to stop and I stand with you, that person needs to be elected or reelected. So this open border desire now leaves us vulnerable, not only to terrorists, but to Russians' aggression in the Ukraine and, God forbid, elsewhere. We're going to do harm to you. Well, how? Maybe some millennial thinks he's going to use dirty words and will crawl up in the, crawl up in the corner and, and, and shrivel. You know what he called me? No, that's not what he – they're not going to do it with words, ladies and gentlemen. They're going to do it with weapons. They're going to do it with espionage. They may use cyber. And by the way, when you come here so you can get a job in a company, then you learn more about their systems. That certainly helps the process. We've educated Chinese engineers and Chinese programmers. Oh, and by the way, in the middle of all this, Biden just eliminated a program that President Trump implemented to go after Chinese espionage in the United States. Why? Because some people in the Asian community were complaining that this is racist. And, of course, Joe Biden, lacking a brain and lacking gonads, immediately said, oh, okay, we'll end that program, we'll start a different program, <clears throat> but we'll, we'll stop being nasty to you. This isn't about being nasty. And this isn't about going after people of Asian um, descent. This is about China in particular. China has its eye on Taiwan, on the South China Sea, ultimately on world domination. But because of the way it's portrayed in the media, we see record numbers of Chinese people being attacked, and it breaks my heart. I have wonderful neighbors from China, and I couldn't have better neighbors. They're sweet, decent, wonderful people. I'm happy they live next door to me. That's the way it should be. 
I don't have a problem with people coming here from other countries. This BS about being a xenophobe and a nativist, no. What I want is people to come to America legally and that the system has integrity so that we don't let those into our country who want to hurt us. It's a very simple premise so that we don't bring in workers who displace Americans. That's all that I want so that we don't educate people. By the way, Diane Feinstein made that point in a hearing on February 24, 1998, two days short of the fifth anniversary of the bombing of the Trade Center in 93 that killed six, injured over 1,000, inflicted more than a half billion dollars in damages, and almost brought the tower down sideways. So five years later, there's a hearing about foreign terrorists operating in the United States, and Diane Feinstein, who's part of the Judiciary Committee in the Senate, said, maybe we should end the visa waiver program. Well, I've been calling for that forever. Thank you, Ronald Reagan, for giving it to us. That's a disaster. And maybe we should stop giving visas to aliens to come from countries that sponsor terrorism. Except now, of course, it's much more difficult because here we are 25 years later, um, and, you know, everyone's kind of dispersed from all over the place, or, or to all over the place, including visa waiver countries. And finally, Feinstein said we certainly shouldn't be giving training in physics and biology and other high-tech areas to aliens that come from countries that sponsor terrorism because we're teaching terrorists and American enemies how to make weapons of mass destruction. It went on to cite how many people had either been educated in the United States or England and then used the training to carry out terrorist attacks. She was right. These aren't left-right issues. These are common-sense American issues. So we come back again to the First Amendment. God help you if you dare make the suggestion that you follow what Diane Feinstein had suggested, I guess, before she hired a Chinese spy uh, <laughs> car driver for her staff. I mean, ask yourself how Congressman Swalwell is still not only in Congress but on the Foreign Relations Committee after he admitted that he was having an affair with a Chinese woman who was linked to the Chinese intelligence service and a prostitute. And he brought in one of her friends to work in the staff, as part of his staff. And then on top of that, if that wasn't bad enough, introduced her to people all over the place so she could make more connections. And he's still in Congress. What do you have to do to get kicked out of Congress? Well, if you're Donald Trump, you have to make some phone calls, I guess. God help us. God help us. These are self-inflicted wounds. And the reason that the other side gets away with it is because of cowardice on the part of Americans and the politicians. When AOC and the squad stood up and started making demands, if Nancy Pelosi was really a leader, and she's not, if Chuck Schumer was really a leader, and he's not, they would have said, sit down and shut up, you're new in town. <clears throat> Keep your mouth shut till you learn what's, what's expected of you. Instead, they immediately rolled over and said, okay, what do you want us to do? What do you want? It was almost like the embarrassing moment during the debate, if you remember, with Michael Bloomberg when um, um, Elizabeth um, Warren started making demands of him. And he started to roll over and acquiescing. And then finally, with this little boy voice, he said, well, I've done everything you've asked. What else do you want me to do for you? The guy's worth $60 billion. Couldn't bring himself to say that China is a communist dictatorship because, God forbid, they might stop doing business with him. Imagine if they shut off his money. He's already got $60 billion, 80 years old. I don't think he's going to have to worry about how he's paying for hamburger tonight. What else do you want me to do? I thought I did everything you wanted. Former mayor of New York candidate for the presidency. 
Not a real man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He has no reason to wear an athletic supporter. What do you think of that? To clean up what I was going to say. It's outrageous. It's outrageous. So we show weakness to our enemies, and weakness encourages more bullying, more hostility, more aggression. Well, I can push this guy around. If he gives me his finger, I'll take his arm, I'll take his shoulder. Hell, I'll take all of him and throw him in the back of my truck. That's how bullies react when you back. You can't back down with bullies. You've got to be sensible in what you're doing, and perhaps the expansion of NATO triggered something in Putin. But people need to always remember that the guy is former KGB. Once KGB, always KGB. And now he's threatening us. I don't think they're idle threats. But look at where we are. One of the biggest vulnerabilities that was created by Biden besides the border was energy. If we could control energy, then we could deprive Russia its influence throughout Europe. What did Biden do? Shut down drilling and shut down everything. Green New Deal, the environment, which I really think mostly is is a bunch of BS that was foisted on us by our enemies to convince America to become energy dependent, more energy dependent, because energy gives you independence and gives you leverage on the world stage. We now have to buy petroleum from Russia. I just want everyone to just sit there and let that sink in. We are buying petroleum from Russia, and I heard last night, I don't know if it's true, so I'm not going to tell you it's true, because I'm very careful about facts, but apparently some of our petroleum comes from Iran. Iran! We're sending money to our enemies so they can buy weapons with the money that they're getting from their energy sources. Does that not sound insane? And what is Biden threatening to do? Sanctions that by his own admission were not designed to deter Russia from its aggression against the Ukraine. It takes my breath away. At what point will Congress come to its senses and say this is an existential threat to America? And the politicians need to know that if, God forbid, something really horrible happens here, they're the first ones that get lined up against the wall. I have never seen America in such a sad state of affairs. I also wrote another article for U.S. Incorporated. I want to briefly touch on it. And I wrote it a couple days before war was basically declared by Russia against Ukraine. And it was the idea that, um, well, as as I put it, I'll I'll just read the title. If you go to the website, you'll see from my show. But the radical Democrats' reign of terror began with immigration and metastasized throughout the criminal justice system. Catch and release started with immigration. And now we have cashless bail. Is that not the same as catch and release? Immigration was the laboratory where they did their experiments. You know, think of Frankenstein with, with the Van de Graaff generator and the sparks flying. You know, it's alive. Okay. Well, so their experiment proved that you could release people and create mayhem. Boy, there's a winning strategy, isn't there? So what screwed up the immigration system is now being called into action to screw up the entire criminal justice system. And once you do that, you can really screw up the entire country. 
Because once you do that, people have a sense that the government no longer possesses legitimacy. And I've said this years ago. I took a course in political science, and one of the takeaways from that class in comparative governments is that when the people of a country feel that their government lacks political legitimacy, just about every time, revolution is the result. It is clear that the radical Democrat Party does not want to simply win elections. They want to gain iron-fisted totalitarian control over the government, period. Period. Instead of looking for conflict resolution, they're using critical race theory, as I point out in my article that will be out early next week. They're seeking conflict instigation. Why? Why would you want to instigate conflict? Why would you want to leave America at the mercy of our adversaries? Why would you want to have mass carnage on the streets? Connect the dots, ladies and gentlemen. What conclusion can you possibly come to? other than the idea that they want to destroy the country so they could rebuild it in their image, their twisted totalitarian image, aided and abetted not just by the mainstream media, but by big tech that is now acting as the ministry of truth and attempting to censor Americans and intimidate Americans into shutting up and, and, and swallowing whatever pill they want to shove down our throats. America's borders, America's immigration system, That's our first and last line of defense. It has been dismantled by the Biden administration at the worst possible moment, where for the first time since the Second World War, we're seeing a scale of military aggression and violence that we haven't seen since World War II. And we have no means of defending ourselves, thanks to Joe Biden. I also want you to think about the number 19. The number 19 is a very interesting number. I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. I hope that by repetition it will sink in. I hope that by repetition I will convince you to share that number, that magic number of 19, with as many of your friends as possible. I want you to sit them down and ask them, do you know what the significance of the number 19 is? You know what? I'm going to ask you that question. Ladies and gentlemen, do you know the significance of the number 19? Well, think about it. On September 11, 2001, Just 19 terrorists in their 20s, basically, killed more people than we lost to the entire Japanese fleet at Pearl Harbor on December 7, 1941, and the death count from 9-11 is continuing to this very day. 19 terrorists. Every month, hundreds of thousands of illegal aliens swarm across the southern border, are coming in through other ports of entry and places of entry and other means of entry. Alejandra Mayorkas, who runs the Department of Homeland Surrender, as I've come to call it, has made it clear that when people lie on applications for U.S. citizenship, even if we find out about the lies, we will not strip them of their citizenship because, as Mayorkas put it, once we give you citizenship, you should be 100% confident that nothing will ever be done to take it from you. You need to be confident that we will protect you. Protect you, even when you commit felonies and lie about your identity lie about material facts that make you ineligible to become an American citizen, the tactic used by the terrorists, the 9-11 Commission, to which I provided testimony, made it abundantly clear that first and foremost, the primary method of entry and embedding for the terrorists was immigration fraud. People lying about their identities, criminal histories, affiliations, whatever, material facts, that if all the facts were known, they would have under the law been ineligible for citizenship. 
And the guy that runs that agency said, yeah, well, you can lie all you want. We will never act against you because you have the right to be protected. So we now have a witness protection program, I guess, for terrorists, criminals, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the same Biden administration wants to hire an army of over 80,000 internal revenue agents to go after people that make mistakes or lie on their tax returns. Now, all you've got to do is use that power selectively, and now you've got um, Richard Nixon's dream of a political enemies list and an internal revenue service that could uh, take care of your political opponents. After Nixon talked about using the IRS that way in the White House tapes, they made it impossible for the Internal Revenue Service to cooperate with other agencies to prevent that from happening because they realized just how powerful the IRS is and certainly could be made to be if it was used in a twisted way that Richard Nixon had talked about. And now Joe Biden wants to do exactly that. 80,000, 80,000 IRS agents and then some. For what purpose? Money or power, folks? I would argue it's more for power than money. If you want to know what tyranny looks like, if you want to figure out which side of tyranny you want to be on, look at Ukraine, look at Russia, and look at what's happening there. That's what tyranny looks, smells, and sounds like. Do we want that here? That's my question. Freedom of speech, freedom of belief, freedom of religion. The people of Ukraine valiantly are standing up and risking their lives to try to hold on to freedom, slipping out of between their fingers. And in America, you have Americans willingly, enthusiastically giving up those freedoms. This is a level of insanity that I never thought I would see from my fellow Americans in this great nation of the United States of America. We need to sit down with our friends and our neighbors and our relatives and have the conversations. What I ask you to do is please provide your friends and neighbors, everybody, with links to the articles that I write at Front Page Magazine and at US Incorporated, usinc.org, or just go to my website, michaelcutler.net. Give them that link. Give them the link to my podcast. Tell them, you know, if you're too busy to, to be able to read, listen to the podcast when you're stuck in traffic. What better than to listen to my God, God help you if that's what you're doing? But all joking aside, all I ask is that those of you who disagree with me give thought to what I'm telling you, and I ask you to come up with coherent ways of challenging what I'm saying. Why should we as Americans be forced to shut up, to be intimidated and not to not speaking our minds? Because once you can shut people down from speaking, you're shutting them down from thinking, you then have control over them. This is right out of 1984. If you read 1984 and you see what is happening in America today, you see the clear parallels. Look at Russia, look at Ukraine, look at America, and ask yourself, do we want America to look like Ukraine, or do we want to get America back to where used to be, where people were respected even when we disagreed with each other. Think of that wonderful expression, I disagree with what you say, but I will defend to the death your right to say it. That's as American as apple pie. I was watching Jeopardy a couple days ago, and I really liked Ken Jennings, but boy, did he anger me. 
I'll tell you how he angered me. He was hosting the program, and when the program opened, he stood in front of the camera, stood in front of the microphone, and said, Happy President's Day, if you celebrate it. Why did that qualifier need to be there, if you celebrate it? What in the world is going on? Happy President's Day, if you celebrate it? I don't think so. Happy President's Day, period, full stop. We should never feel that we are embarrassed or have to justify our positive feelings for our own country, the country that has provided the world with freedom. America is not a perfect country. Warts and all, though, I will take America over any other country. It needs to be defended. Our principles need to be defended. And Americans need to grow a spine. We really do. Violence is certainly not the answer. It's the exact opposite of what we need. But we do need to use all of the facts. And John Adams was right when he said that facts are stubborn things. Again, I ask all of you to please read my articles. Check out these two that are at US Inc. this week. Check out front page in the beginning of next week. I was told it's going to be up at frontpagemag.com either Monday or Tuesday. My, my position on critical race theory. Again, I hope that what I write and what I say provokes thought, provokes discussion, provokes anything. I want people thinking. And the thought process begins with a simple question. Questions are at the foundation of knowledge. The biggest return we've gotten from the space program is the next set of questions. Anybody who wants to shut down questions wants to shut down freedom wants to shut down intellectual achievement. We, the people, can stop that lunacy, and we have to. There's far too much hanging in the balance. Never forget that democracy is not a spectator sport, and democracy begins by challenging what the politicians have to say, challenging what's printed in the mainstream media, and by sitting down with our neighbors for a civil intelligent conversation. That's how we celebrate the First Amendment, and that's how we celebrate freedom. I have to tell you that it's a, it's a privilege to be able to speak to you each week on this program, the Michael Cutler Hour. I hope you feel the same. And again, I hope you will share the link to this podcast and the links to my articles. And I guess we should say a, a, a prayer for Ukraine and its valiant citizens. I'm hoping that Putin will come to his senses, but hope is not a strategy, unfortunately. Have a good weekend, everybody. Stay safe, be well, and we'll see you again next week right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. So long for now. <laughs>